Hey there, this is Meg. I'm your host, and you are listening to Mental Status, a podcast about burnout for people in the mental health profession. Quick disclaimer, because you know that stuff is important these days. Uh, Mental Status is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field. It's for entertainment and educational purposes only. This is not therapy, and this is not clinical supervision. There are no CEUs associated with this podcast. Enjoy it and share it as you will. And if you're in a space where you're needing deeper support, please seek out therapy or supervision for yourself from somebody who is qualified to provide those services for you. Okay, here we go. Okay, let me get into my podcast host persona. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Welcome back everybody to mental status. I'm your host, Meg. Uh, this is a podcast about burnout in the mental health field, and I am super excited about today's guest and I'd like to let them introduce themselves. So special guest, who are you? Where are you? And how are you doing today? I'm good. I am Jeff Gunther. He, him, um, licensed professional counselor in Portland, Oregon. Um, I've done, you know, some folks in the mental health industry know me from as the co-creator of therapyden.com, which is a national therapist uh, directory. I, so I'm fine, but I'm also very, I'm like tired in a very loopy way. Okay. So that might come through in the podcast. I, ever since two years ago, I like, I I guess around when the pandemic started, I started getting like really bad sleeps. Uh, And I'm like trying to figure out what to do about it. But then even like 10 years before that, um, I started to get really bad sleep when I got married. uh, And my wife was just uh, the worst sleeper ever. She like Ugh. suffered from insomnia. She was incredibly sensitive. And I developed this sort of like, yeah, I don't know, hypervigilance of like, oh, is she doing okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, which then like made it hard. We've divorced like three years ago, but I like have been left with this bad sleep. So um, I'm good. I'm like, I'm in a great mood, okay. but I'm also sleep de- deprived. Yeah. Well, <laughs> And that's kind of funny that you bring that up because I had couples therapy this morning with my husband and the topic of sleep came up because Mm. I'm kind of the, I don't necessarily have insomnia, but I'm a bit where your wife was like, I'm pretty sensitive to Mm -hmm. literally any noise that happens in the bedroom at night uh, once Mm -hmm. I've tried to fall asleep. So I feel you on that. It's, it's tough. Does, does your husband (laughs) snore? Yes. Oh I'm God. so sorry. I feel so bad for you. I, I'm a snorer and it, I've like gotten worse and worse as I've gotten older. And I feel so horrible. I, I would, there's no way I would ever sleep with me next to me. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I it's one of those it. things like you can't really help it. There are things that you can do. I, like we talked in therapy today, like do those breathe right strips even work? Like we have no idea. No, okay. Good to know. Um, Go past that. I'll tell you what does work. Um, Go past that. Yeah. Don't do the breathe, breathe right strips. Okay. Like this is what works. And this is important for all of your listeners. I can do it. <laughs> okay. Mouth tape. Have you heard of mouth tape? Oh shit. I have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very specific thing that you wear when you're sleeping that closes your mouth and forces you to breathe through your nose and it works. Um, I've done it many times and it like low key feels like I'm being suffocated. It's a horrible feeling, but it's great for you. The person that's like sleeping next to me. Um, you can also try. Yeah. I mean, it feels like kind of torture, but there's also like these mouth guards. You can go get a specific one from a dentist or like get one from like online or something. I don't know. Lots of things to try. And I encourage him to try it. I mean, I know my brother also snores like, like a nothing else. And he got a mouth guard and it worked. So we've got options. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'm definitely going to take some notes. However, I mean, sleep deprivation, it can relate to burnout. I don't sure. know. I sp- yeah. Anyways, we can get right into it. Uh-huh. Jeff, would you mind telling us a little bit about your journey with burnout? What does that look like for you as a therapist? I'd love to tell you about it. Um, I have a weird 
journey with it. I think you you tell me since you're like <laughs> the burnout expert. If I uh, if I have a weird journey with it, so I um, became a therapist. I graduated in 2005 with my marriage and family therapy degree uh, from California at, at USC, and then like two weeks later, I moved up to Portland, and I was like, I'm done with LA. Uh, and the degree that I got focused I like mostly focused on like teenagers and little teenage boys that were real turds like the skaters <laughs> like the little punks like I yeah. love them mm-hmm. uh, and so I was going to do family therapy that was the plan uh, but my first job wasn't I wasn't able to do family therapy my first job was at a um, crisis line mm-hmm. have you worked at a crisis line no I have not yeah I mean, it's intense, as you can imagine. I've heard, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But this one was a very interesting crisis line because it was unlike all the others because it was a for-profit crisis line. And you might be like, how does that even fucking work? <laughs> right. I'm going to tell you how that works. Okay, all right. Because uh, it's a good business idea that's also slightly unethical. So if you're like an unethical business person, right up your alley. <laughs> uh so uh, there's, I don't know, you tell me if you think it's unethical. There, it's this like crisis line, this call center that picks up phone calls for all the other, like all the mental health agencies around the world that cannot staff a 24 hour crisis line. So we were picking up for like, you know, you'd pick up and you'd be like, hello, this is Jeff, a counselor at the Tallahassee Counseling Center. Uh, how can I help you? Uh, so they're just like picking up in all these different cities. And while you're doing this, um, one, when you like pick up a phone call, the company is paid $15. So every time you pick up a call, the company that I work for is paid $15. And the more calls that you pick up, the more money they earn. So there's like a time limit. A time <laughs> <on> like, limit. <laughs> a time <laughs> limit on how long it's going to take for you to like save this person's life. And it might be like... I'm calling because I want to hurt myself or it might be like I'm calling because I can't fall asleep. Like there's like a very big range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when there's too many people on hold in the call center, there's a big red light that starts flashing. If that keeps on going, then there's like an actual alarm that like is going off that you hear in your ear, but the callers don't hear. Uh, so it's like this really weird. So there's always too many people on hold. There was mm-hmm. never enough counselors ever staffed. And so for, we had these 10 hour shifts where like literally the whole time, except for like a lunch break, you're picking up these calls and it was very overwhelming. So I experienced some burnout very quickly. Yeah. Um, well, there's a lot that I could say <laughs> about that. Um, from the, uh, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, just starting with the idea that there's a certain amount of time that you are allowed to have to help somebody in crisis is um, mm-hmm. in and of itself, like within this profession seems like that's uh, antithetical to, you know, mm-hmm. like the work that we do. Obviously we, in the therapy sessions, we've got what, like 50 minutes, 90 minutes, but mm-hmm. when it's driven by money. Um, it's driven by money. And, mm-hmm. and it, when it's driven by like, I don't know, like this company really wanted to make profit as companies mm-hmm. too, you know, like sure. that's not strange. No. And it, it feels sort of similar to like the, like uh, talk space or cerebral, like the therapy apps mm-hmm. that are trying to kind of like make this sort of like Uber of therapy mm-hmm. and they have to make money for their shareholders and investors, but they can't let the therapist talk to the clients or engage with them too much because they won't be able to make. So it's like this, balance that maybe yeah. will never be found, you know, and that's kind of what I experienced at, at first. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine how that would create a bit of a dissonance between what you really felt like you wanted to do going mm-hmm. into this work and what you were actually doing. And I can only speak for myself, but if I had found myself in a situation like that, I'd be like, what the fuck is happening? Like, this is <laughs> not, <laughs> this is not what I thought I was going to be doing. No. Um, no, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. So, but there was like all there was like twenty to forty therapists always working at at some point during this twenty four hour day, mm-hmm. and the friendships and connections that you create with the people like next to you as you're in the trenches, mm-hmm. like literally saving lives, mm-hmm. is 
was amazing. It was not what I was expecting, but like the bonds that you create, like just being there for somebody, even if you're not saying anything, you're just like next to them while they're struggling with a caller Mm -hmm. is huge. So one of the, um, so there's this other like really strange thing that I experienced there where like, we didn't only answer for like mental health agencies. We also answered for very random bizarre phone lines across the country and there was a phone line that was the train accident reporting phone line no. so when, <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing but when there's a train accident in the country the police go to the accident and they call the train accident reporting line to like let us know what happened and we document it and send it off somewhere I don't know Uh, And you wouldn't, I was surprised with how many train accidents there are a day. There's multiple, there's at least a dozen, if not like a couple dozen. Um, And so they would call up, you'd be like train accident reporting. My name is Jeff, what's going on? And they would report and there's this, and they had this like, one time they call and they're like, Hey, I have a train versus pedestrian accident. And I thought they were like joking. I thought they were making a joke about this. And it was like disturbing, but also like, I felt like I needed to meet them. Like like I needed to like use their language. And I was like, oh, who won? And they were like, that's incredibly inappropriate. And I was like, I know. (laughs) I was like, I don't understand. But train versus pedestrian, what? what? (laughs) It sounds like a game. It sounds like we're at a sports match, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, who, who who is the winner? not a good like this was me I was 24 I should not have said it the police uh, person was like very upset about it they called my supervisor Mm. my supervisor like pulled me off the floor and they were like what the fuck did you say and I was like I don't even know why I said it like I'm so sorry and they're like we have to suspend you we might fire you so I'm like on suspension for a week and then they call me after that week and they're like okay you can come back and I was like why what's up and they're like well this same person continues to call to like report train accidents and they keep saying train versus pedestrian and everyone is responding the same way that you respond like oh who won (laughs) so then there was like a big alert that would flash on the screen whenever this person called to be like don't say who won Mm. uh I only lasted there for a year and I was losing my mind and I got like, I couldn't answer the phone anymore. Like it just, the ringing, it was so scary. So I stopped doing that because I found a job, my, what I thought was my dream job. Mm -hmm. Um, I was 25 at this point at a local nonprofit where I was an outpatient school-based child and family therapist where I would go to like the middle schools in the Mm -hmm. suburbs and I would like do counseling with like the real bad kids in you know, the ditch school. Right. And then I would follow some of them home after school and do family therapy in their homes. Okay. Have you ever done therapy like in a person's home? Yes. That, that was my first two jobs in home therapy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Traveling so around. Much stuff to like pick up. <laughs> like there's a lot of information there, right? Oh yeah. Almost too much sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. Was it overwhelming for you? Uh, It was. um, Yeah. My first job, it was a, well, both of them were intensive in home. So I had at least two times, if not three times a week with each family for multiple hours, each time with quote unquote problematic kids. Um, Mm -hmm. It was, it was a lot. And during the last job, I think I've talked about it in some earlier episodes, but the last job I brought home bed bugs and I also got COVID. So would not for myself would not recommend again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's some serious hard work. It is. Um, you're like, again, you're sort of like, feels like you're in the trenches. You're, you're, you're doing, you're doing it mm-hmm. and you're working with the kid, but also the family. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, this is what I was trained for. I'm like doing family therapy. Now I also started teaching parenting classes for like parents that were mandated mm-hmm. to go and they like, didn't want to go at all, but I'm like, so fun, you know? So it was just <laughs> like, we had a ball. Uh, mm-hmm. But the problem was, is that like, and I don't know, maybe you've experienced this, but like, I started to really hate the parents. Mm. Like I got my own parent shit going on and I was getting triggered with like these parents, these parents like did not want to do family therapy. They were blaming the kid. I started to get incredibly protective of the kid. So I was getting a bunch of supervision because mm-hmm. I like was getting triggered. 
yeah. the whole time. Uh, yeah, and also the parenting classes were fun, but also like they didn't really want to absorb the information. Right. And yeah. and I was 25 and they were like, who is this little kid? Like talking to us like 45 yeah. year old, you know. Are you I mean? even a parent? Like, do you know what you're talking about? Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was that, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So the interesting, so I was getting really burnt out there too, because I was like spinning my wheels and I couldn't, and it felt like it was more like a social work job of like, oh, I just need to get this family food mm-hmm. and new shoes, not like tell me about your traumas. Like that was, that was not like, we just needed them to survive. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I ended up getting fired from that job. Hmm. Um, and, uh, it wasn't my first firing. Um, (laughs) it was my (laughs) first firing as an adult. I was, I'd been fired a a couple of times as a teenager, Mm -hmm. uh, which maybe was like developmentally appropriate when I was like 16, but not so much when I'm like 25, 26, um, but I, I, it's not my fault and I'm going to tell you what happened. So, yes. uh, as you, as everyone maybe knows, like when you go and you do work at a mental health agency, there's so much paperwork Oh my God, so much. and that's part of the burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't get a, as much clinical hours as you want. Instead you have to like sit in front of this computer and type up all the notes. And I'm like, not that great of a note typer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's just hard for me to like put it all on paper, but Mm -hmm. I'm doing my best and I'm taking my time. And as you can imagine, like these middle school kids almost half the time don't show up. They're just like, fuck this guy. I don't want therapy. Is this (laughs) discipline? You know? Right. Uh, So they just wouldn't show up. And so I'd like go into my notes and I type in like, Kyle didn't show up. I think this is why I'm going to contact him tomorrow tomorrow and reschedule. Mm-hmm. So I have to put why they didn't show up. Yada, yada, yada. The mental health agency gets audited as they do just to like, see what's going on because like the state Oregon health plan was paying for all of these therapy sessions. So mm-hmm. they have to get audited all the time. They audit my notes and they're like, something strange is going on here. And they find out that like all the kids that weren't coming in, we should not be charging the state. Like the state should not be paying for their therapy, but I was ticking the wrong box. So that like, mm-hmm. <laughs> every time they didn't come in, we were actually charging. Oh, shit. Uh, and my like supervisor didn't see that I was ticking the wrong box. The biller didn't see that I was ticking the wrong box. The like owner of the, like nobody was seeing that I was ticking the wrong box. So the uh, agency owed thousands and thousands of dollars back oh. to the state. Because so they had to like show the state that they were doing something about it, taking care of the problem, which meant firing me. Well, that's shitty. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) That was really shitty. Like that really sucked. And I was really upset. Um, It was hard work, but I really loved the kids that I was working with, you Mm -hmm. know? And they like, I like, they fired me and I wasn't allowed to like have any termination sessions or anything. I like filed for unemployment. Unemployment had to like investigate the case to be like, do you really deserve unemployment? And the state found that it was a training problem and it was their fault. So I got like full unemployment benefits. Okay. Allowed me to start my private practice. Well, there you go. (laughs) I mean, okay. So that's, that is shitty, right? So like there, there was a training problem that led you to tick the wrong box. However, like one of the things that I talk about with folks on this show is how the individual clinicians are given an undue amount of burden when it comes to keeping systems afloat, like keeping the agencies running, keeping mm-hmm. things slowing, well, like all the shit that we already have to do. Mm-hmm. We're also in charge of making sure that the agency is like meeting its financial goals and blah, blah, blah. So that whole trickle down, whatever you want to call it, like that just seems... I don't know. It, it it definitely rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, no, exactly. The one of the, like the big pressures when I worked there was like billable hours, right? And I saw I actually went to seven different like middle schools and high schools in Gresham, Oregon. And if you know anything about Gresham, like Gresham is like the second biggest city in Oregon, only second to Portland. It is Mm -hmm. fucking sprawling. It is huge. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. nothing going on there, Mm -hmm. but it would take sometimes 30 minutes to go from one school at one end to the other 
sitting to the other end. And so for those 30 minutes, I wasn't making them any money. And that was like really upsetting to them. And so we had to come up with some route where like I was making the most money possible. Uh, and it was kind of impossible to do while also like doing crisis counseling with the kids and just like having to be like, I need to be flexible to meet mm -hmm. the kids needs, but I also need to meet the agency's needs, which also needs to make enough money for the state in order. So like, yeah, so many yeah. things. It's yeah. so much. And in all of that, <clears throat> so much of the frustration that in my time working at nonprofits and doing some of that in-home work, the, the biggest frustration that I always found myself encountering was as I was doing all of those things, this, this last job that I had, I was driving between four different counties in North central Indiana. So it could mm -hmm. take me upwards of an hour and 20 minutes to get from one session to another. Mm -hmm. um, there was just generally, uh, there was some acknowledgement from management about how much work there was. And when clinicians would genuinely say like, this is a lot we're not sleeping well, we're feeling very stressed, uh, we're sleep deprived and you know, we, we're working on the weekends and we're still not meeting all of the standards that you have, please help us. Um, they literally brought Chipotle <laughs> to a Friday meeting like, and they're like, and, and little like gift baskets with like wow. our favorite candy and stuff. It's like, this is nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> But the fact that we still have so many demands on our time to, to basically serve all of these other areas of the business and it can't be moved and it can't be like changed in order to help us do the best job that we can. Like it, it just felt like this, this unsolvable problem, which I think mm -hmm. it drives a lot of us out of those agencies where the, the people being served there, they truly do need some of them, those, those services, and it can be beneficial, but the turnover is so high and people get so burnt out so quickly. It's, oh my God. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, the, that the, the agencies need so much more money, so much more funding. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. <laughs> Except for like, it needs like more money and more funding and more like everything. Um, I don't know how that's going to happen, right. but it's very depressing. And when I was at that agency, Trillium Family Services is what they're called. I, I reached this place where I was just like, I'm not, I, I was working at that crisis line before. That was horrible. I'm working at this agency. I hate this. Mm -hmm. um, why am I a therapist? Exactly. Like, this is so, so dumb. I'm making almost $30,000 a year. This is 15 years ago, but like uh, still, like that right. was still bad for 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided that I was going to apply for what previously was my dream job, which was not in the therapy industry. And I was going to work at the Apple store because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm like, I was growing up like such a little Apple <laughs> fanboy, yep. like techie. And I was supposed to go into like animation. I was supposed to start Pixar. I don't know if you like heard this, oh, but like, no. yeah. that's what I should have. That was my business. Okay. It was like stolen from me, like right. basically. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm still working through it, honestly, but yeah. Uh, so I was like, <laughs> going to go into computer animation and I was just going to be like a little techie guy. Um, and so I decided I was going to apply to the Apple store. Cause that would be like my way into like becoming close with Steve jobs. <laughs> uh, so I applied and they called me back and they're mm -hmm. like, you sound amazing. I love what you have to offer. Why don't you come in for an interview? And I was like, fuck yes. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, interviews like tomorrow, I'm getting very excited about it. And I like, uh, the next day I wake up and I start driving to the, to the Apple store. So the Apple store in Portland 15 years ago was in the mall, mm -hmm. um, in downtown in pioneer place mall. And I like went to the mall and opened up the mall doors. And I was like, what am I doing? Am I going to work in the fucking mall? <laughs> like <laughs> I have a graduate degree. I owe like uh, 60, 70,000 or whatever in loans. And I'm going to yeah. go work at the mall. Like I love Apple store and I, and I work at the mall. There's nothing wrong with working at the mall, but it, it, it felt like I shouldn't be like, I'm, 
I should be a therapist. I should be doing right. something with my graduate degree, not working in the mall. So I didn't go to the interview. And man, that was a real sliding doors moment. Like, what would my life have looked like <laughs> if I just like <laughs> continue walking through those doors? Yeah, we could have had Jeff at the Genius Bar. Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I love those geniuses. I, I, I wanted to work at the Genius Bar and I definitely applied and I definitely did not get in an interview <laughs> ever but (laughs) but like that's such a um such a common experience most of the people I've talked to have said the same like even if they did not take those steps to even try something different at that point Mm -hmm. that thought of why am I doing this am Mm -hmm. I actually can I be a therapist can this be my job forever if it is literally fuck me like this is not Mm -hmm. this is not okay Mm -hmm. um I mean, I definitely don't tell, don't tell anybody, but I still have those thoughts to this, to this day, but it's not, fortunately it's not due to burnout. It's more like, do I feel competent enough? And I think that's something Mm -hmm. that, you know, a lot of us struggle with anyways, but Mm -hmm. in the throes of burnout, when you are being pulled between the piles of paperwork and the high acuity cases and management breathing down your back, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it can be just like a really refreshing thought to say, I could burn all of this and go work at the mall. And that sounds mm-hmm. amazing right now. Liberating. Yeah. Liberating. Yeah. Eating at that food court every day, that orange chicken, like I'm yes. craving it. Yeah. Orange exactly. Julius and orange chicken, maybe just some pretzels. Orange, orange and brown foods. <laughs> That's all I eat yes. at the mall. Yeah. Um, so good. So, so that, so I, I was like, no, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. still work at the nonprofit. I am fired. I start my private practice perfectly works out as I'm like getting some unemployment while building a private practice. And then mm-hmm. eventually I had my private practice. I've been doing that for like 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing. I love it. And I became like incredibly vigilant about like only accepting a certain amount of clients or the certain types of clients that I felt like I was capable and comfortable working Mm -hmm. with while like slowly kind of like, you know, working with different clients and learning more things so they can Mm -hmm. like serve more people, yada, yada, yada. Then like (laughs) I start, um, I like open up this, I like uh, start leasing out spaces and like providing like part-time office space for therapists that are launching their practices. And that's really fun. And then I start a uh, local Portland therapist directory. And that takes off and that's really good. And then I start therapy done national therapist directory. That's really fun. Start doing lots of blogs and getting really into that. And then I experienced burnout in a way that I was not expecting. Uh, and I don't know if you've ever, tell me if you've like talked about this on your show. Um, I start getting really into the private Facebook groups for therapists. Yes, we've talked about that. Oh my Have God. you? <laughs> yes. Oh, they're the worst. <laughs> oh, I hate them. Yeah, I fucking hate them. And yes. I don't even know why. I, I For years, yeah. for four or five years or something, almost every, every week, I'm constantly in there. I'm like writing blogs and making comments and sharing and posting stuff and trying to promote therapy dad and this like, certain way, whatever. And I'm just getting, there's just so many therapists have so many fucking feelings and thoughts and have to express it. (laughs) And they feel like it's a safe space and it's not actually really a safe space at all. Um, And things that I've said in that space have been like taken and like, that's a whole sort of like Mm -hmm. people take your shit and share it outside. And sometimes like way too much client information to share whatever it feels uh, sometimes it feels incredibly supportive when it's like working the best way it's supposed to work Mm -hmm. but it most of the time feels like very destructive very mean very like performative wokeness uh yeah I just it's toxic in there it is yeah and I didn't really have much of a foray into those Facebook groups until I started my practice back in what was it late last year, late 2021. And mm-hmm. it was more of a, well, if I'm going to do this alone, I know I need to build support mm-hmm. and I want to, you know, be able to ask like generalized clinical questions and get mm-hmm. some information on resources. Uh, and I thought it would be a great idea. 
Um, <laughs> so I joined a number of groups and there was, there was one, I think it's so it's been like discontinued or shut down. It was one uh, of the bigger ones you probably would recognize mm-hmm. if I said the name, mm-hmm. I don't remember what it was, but people got vicious. Like people would get downright mean with each mm-hmm. other and mm-hmm. slinging the word unethical left and mm-hmm. right. So how could you ever do it that way? I hope you don't see clients like what the fuck you guys what is happening in your world (laughs) like are you so are we all just so burnt out tired frustrated we're not getting enough support where we need it where we take all of that and we put it on each other because hey they're therapists they should be able to take it like no (laughs) no No. this is it's not okay and you know you said too much client information too i have been shocked Mm. um right? Like some of the, they're, they're private groups, but really anybody can join. And it, mm-hmm. it just, it gets really, really muddy in there. Um, and I've, I've definitely stepped back from those and surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, stepping back from those spaces has helped my overall <laughs> uh, well-being and sense of confidence in myself as a clinician. So yeah, I'm rarely in those groups anymore. Mm-hmm. That was not good for my mental health. It was not good for like feeling good about my profession or therapists. Mm-hmm. It made me, and I mean, most of my work or half of my work is just like dealing with therapists, helping therapists, selling things to therapists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I got into those like Facebook groups, I started to be like, I don't want to have anything to do with therapists ever. I want to shut down therapy then just to like get away from, I want someone else to take this shit over because mm-hmm. I can't deal with these effing therapists anymore. Um, yeah, I've like, I, you know, since like calmed down by like getting out of there, but it, it was, it's funny because like one of the things that made me start my like social media um, platforms where you can like find me at therapy, Jeff on TikTok and Instagram is like, I just wanted to talk to non-therapists. I wanted to mm-hmm. create content, not for therapists because all the content I was creating was for therapists and I couldn't fucking take it anymore. Um, and when <laughs> I made that shift, like eight or nine months ago, yeah. and then like, it started to take off on TikTok and then Instagram, I was like, this is it. This is my people. Like, this is who I want to connect with, mm-hmm. not the therapists at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to like, really like, that's been interesting. And then I get to kind of like experience a whole new thing where like, I'm sort of like creating this content at least twice a day, like making these little videos and that's starting to burn me out. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, like you put out a ton of content. I put out a ton of content and I really need to kind of like think about it and check myself um, because I haven't made any money and I like haven't monetized it. And I'm not sure exactly if or when or how I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just sort of like this thing that I really enjoy doing. And so Mm -hmm. there's like this creative challenge that's really fun. There's this like psychoeducational stuff that feels good. It's nice that like I'm kind of like um, affecting like many people instead of Mm -hmm. just the person the client in front of me Mm -hmm. um there's like something really satisfying so it creates this like fun balance in my clinical work I mean that's not really clinical but you know what I mean right um and like the therapy sort of work um but there's this feeling of like well why didn't this video get as many likes and uh, why aren't I getting men kind like what are why why do some people not like what I'm putting out there like how problematic could I be possibly being um and so there's like now there's like this sort of like cancel culture sort of like thing that I have to like be a lot more aware of mm-hmm. uh, and I can like spend hours and days overthinking it oh for sure yeah and it doesn't matter like the, whatever I put out, there's going to be some whataboutism and the whataboutism is going to be like probably very fucking valid, you know, like, oh, it's just sure. like, yeah. they're like, well, this isn't good advice. If you're in an abusive relationship, you're right. It totally yeah. isn't. Or this isn't good. If you're like, have a narcissistic parent. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't work for that either. Like, you can like say that about everything. Yeah. It's a fantastic point. And, but it's a 60 second clip and it's not going to have the nuance that you want or need, you know? Right. Yeah. And that's, I found the same thing um, in my postings online and I've just started 
kind of showing up in a way that's it is for therapists and I enjoy that, but there's also like those same considerations as I'm posting, like, okay, the way that I'm representing myself and these ideas, is this, is this going to be okay overall to post? And I can think about it this way, that way, and the other, um, Mm -hmm. there's, yeah, I mean, you're just not allowed the, the opportunity to have the type of nuance to address the narcissistic parent versus the non-narcissistic parent versus Mm the X, Y, and Z in 60 seconds. Um, And so that, that content creator burnout um, is very real. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I see a a good amount of therapists going through that too, whatever their niche is, whatever they're doing with their content. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of us really wanting to be supportive in -hmm. that like clinical, non-clinical way, providing education, information, all that stuff. Um, but there's, yeah, there's just so much that goes into the back end of that, that you have to consider, um, emotional labor, if you will. <laughs> there's emotional labor. And then there's an unchecked ego or a, oh, sure. some sort of ego of like, yeah. I need like this, I'm getting this attention that, that I was never able this type of attention that I wasn't able to get in my therapy practice. Mm-hmm. And it's like a new fun exciting kind of attention and mm-hmm. uh you start to get maybe like kind of a big head about it possibly but it's uh so there's a lot of things that you need to check that obviously like we're not we don't like talk about this in grad school and it also feels like they tell us not to be life. on social media <laughs> yeah I I have I am like there's a part of it's just like okay I have I have a big enough account and following that like if the Oregon board or the some sort of psychological association wanted to make an example out of somebody they could make it out of me like therapists are not allowed to be on social media like I'm kind of like bracing for this I I I hope it doesn't happen and and hopefully like we kind of like figure out how to be in this space yeah Uh, but there are no real good rules and I have like a disclaimer on my TikTok Mm -hmm. at the at the top being like this is what's this is what's up um but still, you know, there was that one therapist that was like canceled. Do you remember the trauma dumping therapist? Yeah. Yep. I heard about her? that. Yep. Yep. Um, and so like, it was just sort of like, I think that they were trying their best and they made a little bit of a bad call mm-hmm. or maybe a big bad call, but then mm-hmm. it just like went viral and their life was threatened and their license right. was threatened and they went through like this horrible experience and then didn't respond to it in a, in a good way. And the gun, you know, it was, so, mm-hmm. um, there's a, you know, like when you make a post, it feels very vulnerable because you're just like, I might not have seen something that could come across in a way that is not okay. And that mm-hmm. happened this morning. Uh, yeah, where I made a post about like, are you, um, do you suffer from perfectionism? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is how it, this is how you could blame your parents. And some of the stuff is sort of like tongue in cheek, some mm-hmm. like, which is not always, which is don't do that. <laughs> like, I think it's probably a bad move. I should stop doing this. Um, but like, yada, yada, yada in that post, I'm saying something like, you know, if your parents were like this, or if they were like, had three jobs and they couldn't be there for you, had a sibling that like took up a lot of attention or whatever. Mm -hmm. And eventually I I called those parents bad parents and I shouldn't have done that. And it came Mm -hmm. off understandably as like classist and ableist. Like those aren't bad parents. Some of those parents live in poverty. Some of those parents Mm -hmm. like have mental health and I just didn't catch it. And that Mm -hmm. doesn't like, and I was like, yeah, this like, this is classist. This is coming off as ableist. That doesn't align with my values. That's mm-hmm. not who I am, but I see that I missed misspoke. And now I can now like be seen as like the fucked up white piece of shit, like classist therapist. And that like one line could like sully everything that you're mm-hmm. doing. You know what I mean? And I'm mm-hmm. not like, complaining or anything like that it's like you have to kind of like understand how to take that feedback and then respond to it in a thoughtful way and make it a learning experience Mm -hmm. um but that's incredibly stressful Mm -hmm. (laughs) and can cause burnout if you're like ruminating about it all the time you know what I mean yeah for sure yeah especially um I mean I think I've seen on 
on your Instagram page, at least I'm not on TikTok, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, a weird thing these days, but um, <laughs> your Instagram page, at least you have like a hundred thousand people following you. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for my, my pages, I have like a couple of thousand, which is great. Right. But mm-hmm. like, as it grows, I've found for myself that fear exponentially grows, yeah. uh, the fear of whatever it is that I may say or not say, um, mm-hmm. and you know, how am I representing the, the profession? Cause I want to represent it well. Um, mm-hmm. but part of my brand, I guess you could say is also highlighting the not great things about mm-hmm. the systems that we're working within mm-hmm. and the problems that are contained therein. And for the most part, like I've gotten overall positive feedback to that, but there's still this idea where, especially for therapists, as our presence grows, how do we tend to that in a way that is careful and intentional while allowing us to like be humans as well and show up mm-hmm. as our human selves um, mm-hmm. in the way that a lot of other creators do. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, it's an interesting area because a lot of the show, it's, it's been primarily focused on, you know, like how, how do we work within the systems of mental health, within the agencies, nonprofits, how does that contribute to burnout? But also with social media and the way things are growing, that's contributing to like a hustle culture mindset for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And the way we're like constantly producing and producing, Mm -hmm. almost drawing away from the clinical work that we, we -hmm. can do and that we love to do so that we're like staying relevant Mm -hmm. uh, and continuing to grow. So I don't know if that's also been like part of it for you where there's this feeling like I need to keep growing and keep doing and keep producing yeah, I'm just kind of curious about that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I can get really caught up in the hustle culture and mm-hmm. want to like keep growing and producing and affecting even more and more people. And I, I think a lot of it came from like, again, I haven't made any money off of it, but I but I think I'll be able to like make some money off of it while mm-hmm. also like creating positive change or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some of that is like, you, 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 you reach, you make as much money as you can as a therapist and then never anymore. Like (laughs) you see as many like clients as you, maybe you can like up the fee or maybe Mm -hmm. or something, but like, there's like a ceiling of like, you're not able to make a ton, a ton of money unless Mm -hmm. you sort of like think of other ways to do that. Um, And so like all the different projects that I've done is like, oh, well, I'm making as much money as I can as a therapist. I want to know if I can like make even more. so part of it is driven just by like monetary, like I want to, I want to like live the life. I want to be able to buy a house, whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, That'd and, be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and so that goes into like uh, hustle culture and yeah. um, making like quote unquote passive income. That's actually not, I, my passive income isn't passive. Like <laughs> I'm just like working extra hours. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I see that a lot in the, in the online spaces, um, a lot of like ads targeted in my direction, but also like content creators in general talking about, like, you can have unlimited potential and growth as a coach mm-hmm. or a therapist or a wellness mm-hmm. creator, and you can have all this passive income and just do this, this, and this mm-hmm. It sounds fantastic. And I get caught in that all of the time. Um, mm-hmm. Because I would also love to be able to, to lead a life where I can afford necessities and buy a house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be great. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it can just get us caught up in this feeling of never doing enough. Like, I, I already get that feeling as a therapist alone. I'm like, am I doing enough for my clients? Am I learning enough? Keeping up my CEUs? Do I have enough times available for people? Mm-hmm. I, I'm full. Can I still offer more time? Mm-hmm. And then you add on this whole digital world that is like, keep making content, keep making it funny or relevant or educational, keep producing, make mm-hmm. it good, make it better, bigger. And it's mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Are we supposed- <laughs> when can I sleep though? <laughs> like, right. And just chill for a minute. Yeah. 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 I'm still, it- I'm still working that out. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just sort of like a thing that I need to check in with every day, every week to figure out like, how much energy do I have? What am I doing Mm -hmm. here? Am I actually enjoying like, and usually if I start to like resent the things that I'm doing, it's like, oh, that's a really good fucking clue. But Mm -hmm. like the thing that, um, 
that works that like, I don't know, works for me the best is that like, I'm always, I'm pretty sure that I'm always going to be a therapist that's seeing clients in my practice. Like that keeps me grounded. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the thing that like makes me the least money because I've like made it like very, I've made it like pretty small and I like see clients for uh, 20 or $40 mm-hmm. just out of pocket. And that's just because like, oh, well, I'm making money in these other ways. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just going to like serve that specific population. Um, but I have to like keep on, like they, they keep me grounded mm-hmm. and they keep me like learning more clinical tools. And um, as long as I have like everything else balanced, then, then it works out. But I can get really excited about like starting a new project and that can just like take over. I have yep. to try not to do that all the time. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I can be the same way. Um, I can start something and get, you know, two weeks down the road, a month mm. down the road, a couple months, and then be like, Oh, I'm exhausted. And mm-hmm. this is no longer fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not making me money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hear the same from a, a lot of folks, not just therapists, but like in general, it seems like things are trending toward this always be producing, always like mm-hmm. follow those passion projects and monetize them. Um, and it can be fun. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, obviously you can make some really enjoyable uh, products and projects, mm-hmm. um, but it does become a balancing act of finding the time between the things that ground you and mm-hmm. really bring you that joy and that sense of like, this is, this is my space versus all of those other things that either you feel like you have to do or you want to do or both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still struggling with that balance, but I feel like the longer, the longer I do these different things, the easier it becomes to see like, here's how much I can give to this without it becoming a problem. Mm. You know, if I'm not going to be monetizing this, then I can give it a couple hours a week Mm -hmm. and that's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, versus my practice, which is, I mean, that's my main gig right now. I I do that full time. So, yeah. 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 I think for me, it's like, am I doing something because I want to feel like I'm being productive or am I doing Mm -hmm. something because I want to like enjoy being creative? Mm -hmm. Um, And I have the luxury of asking myself that with like Mm -hmm. some of the projects that I work on. And so I need to make sure that I'm like leaning more into creativity than just like, I need to be productive because capitalism or, you know, Mm, Uh, so yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's going to be like a lifelong journey of always trying to find the balance. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just out of curiosity with your practice, because you said you've been doing this for 14, 15 years mm-hmm. in private practice. Um, have you experienced burnout in your private practice just in general with that work or has it been pretty smooth sailing for you? Um. It surprisingly has been like incredibly smooth sailing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time that I ever, so like I'm one of those people or therapists that like, if I see a client at the end of the session, I'm just really fucking energized. Like I just have the time of my goddamn life, you know, <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> even if it's a hard or sad or whatever, like I'm usually like really feeling great. Yeah. And then when I'm like done with my day after seeing like four to six clients or something, I want to spend time with more people. And like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, want to be around people. The, the only time that got like weird or inverted was when the pandemic started mm-hmm. and I started seeing everybody online through zoom and I no longer felt energized at the end of my zoom sessions. I felt like I wanted to close the computer, shut the fuck up and play Mario Kart forever. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, And I was like, so excited about the pandemic ending and never doing online therapy ever again. (laughs) And we all know that that has not happened Mm -hmm. and that online therapy is very much here to stay. Mm -hmm. And there's some wonderful things about it, especially the accessibility of it all. Mm -hmm. And my clients are, there'll always be like at least a handful or half my clients that are going to want to do online therapy there's no way I can convince them to come in and that's fair but now so like the burnout can happen if I have a full day of online clients and I Mm -hmm. don't get to see anyone in person yeah yeah Yeah. do you experience that sometimes yeah and my practice is 100% virtual Mm -hmm. um and part of that is you know I, I live in rural 
Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are folks here who I could definitely see. And a lot of my ideal clients are the people who I work with best. They don't necessarily live in this area. There, there are some, mm-hmm. um, but they live in some of the, the bigger urban areas that are like two hours away. And so there's that aspect. Um, my husband and I are not completely convinced that we're going to live here for more than a couple of years. So like, oh, come to the a... Pacific Northwest from the Portland <laughs> or Seattle. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if, sorry, listeners, if you're, if you're in Indiana or you love Indiana and you think it's great, I apologize. My God, this place uh, is corn. It's corn everywhere. Just as oh, far yeah, as the yeah. eye can see. Um, but we, I mean, we may move like to Indianapolis or something like to, mm-hmm. to a city, Right. We don't know if we want to stay in this particular town that we're in. We, we don't want to. We know that for sure. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like opening up a, an in-person practice, it would feel a little odd to like have that for a year or two and be like, by the way, I'm leaving this town and we're going all virtual mm-hmm. if you want to keep working with me. It, it just, it felt like a lot yeah. to start up and then bring back down. So I do get burnt out um, with virtual a little bit. Um but I also really enjoy being able to go to my bed in between sessions and mm-hmm. lay down with my cats. Um, mm-hmm. and, and my husband works from home too. So during the day I can go and just like bug him. Uh, and we just kind of like joke around um, if we're both sweet. in good moods. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we're both irritated and um, <laughs> it's not a good idea, but... <laughs> when it's when it's good yeah we can kind of hang out during the day um so yeah it's kind of a mixed bag I don't I don't know that for the rest of my career I want to be 100% virtual but I think for myself it'll always be an option that I have for people yeah yeah the accessibility is huge I feel like such a like old fuddy-duddy thing like (laughs) I don't want to be online these kids always like like that was the first time I was just like okay and also like the first time I felt like too old is when I was just like, I don't know how to play guitar hero. Like I'm so <laughs> bad at it. I've never known how to, yeah. <laughs> um, otherwise I was like amazing. At, like at picking up any video game until mm-hmm. guitar hero came out and I was like, I'm done. I'm too old now. Like, what, are, um, what are these, what are these str- like? Yeah. Can't. <laughs> I know what the fuck is going on here. This is not a controller. Um, yeah. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, as with everything with the social media, online therapy, mm-hmm. um, the Uber of therapy stuff, which I will not say names. I know that there were things that happened a while ago, and I think yeah. a lot of people have opinions, and that's great, whatever. Um, <laughs> it's a brave new world. I can tell you um, there's a really interesting thing happening in California. Okay. Uh, and I'll be real quick because I know that we're, we've been talking for a while. Yeah. Um, there is a law that's going, that's looks like it hopefully could be passed that was based on a TikTok video that I made that will go unnamed. Mm. Um, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to like, you know, rail against uh, therapy apps and um some legislatures uh, in california were like this doesn't feel okay specifically that like private health information is being shared with third parties yeah and sold to like facebook and pinterest yeah. and stuff like they're just taking our you know like and as therapists like you and i we can't take the notes that we keep on our clients and sell them to Facebook, no. um, like, and nor would we want to, and it's so no. unethical. And, but so there's this law that might be passed that will make it illegal for them to sell or share your information. Uh, and if they do, they could get fined. And uh, there's also like, um, those apps will be treated as like actual healthcare providers. So right now they're like, oh, we don't have to do HIPAA. We don't have to be HIPAA compliant because we're not a therapist. We're just an app that's connecting people. But this law will make it so that they are 
a healthcare company, just oh. like corporations are people. And yes, exactly. <laughs> and they will, yeah. So that's a thing. So fuck it. So yeah. like these therapy apps will have to like be HIPAA compliant and, and store it in these very specific ways and not share it for, for any reason. Um, if that passes, that could like change the whole landscape of therapy apps because those therapy apps are essentially data mining mm-hmm. companies where they like mine the data, find these fantastic ways to sell to you mm-hmm. and give that information to their other, you know, corporate entities that they're friends with or connected yeah. with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if California makes that law, then many other states could like duplicate that law and it'll mm-hmm. be really interesting. And there's bipartisan support so far. However, oh. I just heard that like Facebook is starting to become upset with this new law that looks like it might be passed and Facebook is like hey we're not a doctor's office there shouldn't be any like HIPAA shit going on over here or connected so I don't know so big tech is going to try to stop it and it'll be really interesting to see if that happens and it probably fucking will because I don't know we are in dystopian nightmares I mean I just thought today like it's all over the news that Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter so like welcome to the future it's great (laughs) it's great here we love it yeah. And I mean, uh, when you really think about it, like if they had to become an actual healthcare provider, that's so unsexy, like gross, <laughs> <laughs> gross. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Uh, God. So we'll oh. see. Anyways, that's a whole nother episode, but if you want to talk about, yeah, we can talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May, maybe it, we have to keep it like general terms, like therapy apps, right? I can say either, yeah, that's safe saying therapy apps, or or I can talk about specific companies like Talkspace or Cerebral, or like those are like by name specific apps Uh like that, then it's okay. And it's interesting because this law is also going to affect those, all those other wellness apps that are like mindfulness apps or Headspace, like just CBT bullshit, whatever. Like, you know, there's like, thousands of like mental health wellness therapy apps out there they're just like here's some skills Mm -hmm. but all those apps share your health information in order to like make money off of it and those apps won't be able to do it either so I mean I like the sound of that and wow that sounds like that'll be a hurdle for it to clear which fingers crossed I don't know Fingers crossed, so far, so good. Like yeah. all the Democrats and Republicans in California are on the same page about this. Mm-hmm. But we'll see what happens once like big money comes through and starts to like try to influence what's going on. That's the real test. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until then, we can just, us lowly therapists can just cross our fingers and <laughs> uh-huh. hope, hope for the best, I guess. Yep. <laughs> As with everything. <laughs> Ah, well, I feel like that's a really wonderful and happy note to end on (laughs) is this dystopian future that we find ourselves in. (laughs) Um, I do usually like to ask my guests at the end of the show, if they, if they were to leave the audience with something to think about, anything to think about, um, what would you want them to consider as they're closing the podcast app and going about their day? Um... I feel like this is a thing that a lot of people think now, but I'm just going to kind of like reinforce it. Uh, It's okay if you just work with like a a very niche clientele or Mm -hmm. uh, presenting problem. Um, Because that's what I did when I first started my private practice was I was just like, I'm only going to work with people that are feeling anxious in relationship. Mm -hmm. No parents, no kids, no families, just like individuals, maybe couples or people in relationship. Um, And that was really, that made it so that I didn't get burnt out. And that Mm -hmm. made it so that I felt like, oh, this is in my wheelhouse. And then over time, like I couldn't just only see anxious people in relationships. It just sort of naturally evolved Mm -hmm. into more stuff, but it felt like it was like organically evolving into a place where I'd like learn more things that I became interested in and my clients sort of like guided my therapy journey of like what I specialized in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by do, I did that by just being like very select with like the type of clients that I um, would see. And I want to encourage everybody to do that. You don't have to treat everybody. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't ethically treat right. people that are outside of your scope, but also like we kind of come into this profession being like, I want to help everybody and everything and every, 
you know, and that's not, you, you can't, you won't be able to. So just like stay in your wheelhouse for as long as you can and naturally sort of expand it as it organically happens. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I would second that. I found it's a lot easier for me to stay even keeled when I'm seeing folks who I know I do my best work with. So mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for joining. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you ever want to come back on and talk about therapy apps, <laughs> all about it. So <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot to say about it and it touches a lot of other places yes. in the mental health industry. So I think that you and I could have a really great conversation. So I'll be back for sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And yeah, I hope you I hope you gain more energy throughout the day. (laughs) Thank you. I feel energized now. So I think it's going to be a good day. Awesome. All right. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I hope that whoever or wherever you are, you can start having more conversations in your circles of support about better ways to support ourselves and to support each other through burnout. If you like today's show, please make sure to head over to wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you left a rating and a review on there to help get the word out. Thanks so much, y'all. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I will see you again soon.